Welcome to the MRC Talks podcast. I'm Isabel Harding. In our 2019 Career Inspiration series, we're bringing you stories from inspiring scientists who are working to improve lives through medical research. Each month, we're talking to a different scientist to find out how they got there and what makes them tick. This month, Petra Kiviniemi talks to Professor Toby Jenkins, who's developing materials for diagnosis and treatment of bacterial infection. Oh, fail all the time. Yes, but failure is absolutely a fundamental part of the whole scientific process, but also part of life. One always learns from failure, and that, that's the important thing. In his own words, Professor Toby Jenkins has slightly niche interests. He's fascinated by bacterial and fungal infection of humans, particularly wounds and bladders. When beginning his research, he'd assumed that all clinicians and microbiologists understood what was happening in an infected wound. But the more he drilled into the subject, the more he realised how little we understand about infection. For Toby, this created an enormous area in which to work, to try and better understand this really important topic. Toby stopped doing biology at 13 years old, returning to it in his early 30s, and teaching himself A-level biology from scratch, something he describes as both a fun and challenging endeavour. After learning lots of techniques during his PhD in corrosion science, he moved on to a postdoc working on biomembranes. Then after working at the Max Planck Institute for Polymer Research in Germany, he returned to England as Professor of Biophysical Chemistry at the University of Bath, something he'd never really dreamt was possible. Using his love of building things and science, he's creating materials and medical devices that can give early warning of infection. He's also designing systems that can control the release of drugs to combat disease. In the future, he hopes that these devices can be used to make a difference to people's lives. I think most of the funding to date is that we don't really understand bacterial infection of wounds. When I came into this, I had assumed it was a done deal, that all clinicians and microbiologists understood what was happening in an infected wound. And the more I've dr- drilled into this and researched in this area, the more I've realised how little we as a community understand. And for, for me, that's really, really interesting because it creates a, an enormous area in which we can all work in and try and um, better understand this, I think, this, this really important area. So looking back, was there a moment when you first knew that you wanted to work in science? I think as a, as a child I was always interested in both construction, um, Lego, that kind of thing, but also in science. I had a chemistry set, I had an um, electricity set and building things. Um, I think I've probably been as much an engineer as a scientist. Um, where I'm lucky now is that I can, am able to bring together um, both science and, in a sense, engineering, prototyping, to try and create devices. Could you give an example of that? Well, our prototype infection-detecting wound dressing combines some really quite fundamental um, membrane science, which is what I've worked on for about 25 years. We're really trying to create an engineering solution to creating a, a wound dressing that detects infection. What's the best career decision you've made so far? I think the very best career decision I made was going to work in Germany as a postdoc. That was, for me, the real fundamental catalyst in deciding that I wanted a career in academic research. So my, I did my PhD in corrosion, in, in corrosion science, which I didn't find all that exciting, I have to confess. What I did do was I learned lots of techniques, particularly 
um, a method called impedance spectroscopy, which is a slightly a niche method for measuring the electrical properties of films, both thick films and thin films. I've then got a postdoc in Leeds being able to apply this onto very thin um, lipid films. And that was great because I was, allow- I was able to transfer away from an area I didn't find so exciting, corrosion science, into biomembranes, which I found much more interesting, or, although much more difficult. And then when I was in Leeds, I had the opportunity to go on a joint workshop at the Max Planck Institute in, 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 um, for polymer research in Mainz in Germany. And there I sat opposite the, the director, actually in a beer garden, and I just asked him for a job. And to my great surprise, he said, yes, fine, just come. And I did. To give us an idea of what your work is like day to day, could you describe your typical working day? If there is one. <laughs> yeah, this is, a very, that's a, this is a very difficult question. What I love about my job is there isn't really a typical working day. It's so diverse. I could be meeting um, I could be meeting clinicians in the morning, for example, in Bristol, Children's Hospital, come back to meet my PhD students and find out about their projects. And teaching is also very important. Yeah, um, I enjoy teaching. It's also, I think, a fundamental, in a sense, duty of a scientist. So I could be a small group teaching with three or four um, undergraduate students in a tutorial or in a group of 100 um, uh, final year students um, in, in a big lecture theatre. Um, then I could be going on to talking about um, intellectual property, about um, a company we might be we might be creating uh, to translate the technology that we're creating in the lab. So it's completely diverse. Or I could be jumping on a plane at six o'clock in the morning from Bristol Airport to Frankfurt in the pouring rain, which does occasionally make me wonder why I do the job. But it's fine when I get there. <laughs> Can you describe your proudest moment? Oh, I think probably my proudest moment is actually getting the job as a lecturer here at Bath in 2000 because I never really dreamt it was possible and I was actually very I almost fell off my chair when I was offered the job I was completely astonished um, luckily I didn't know how hard the job would be when I got offered it <laughs> so I might not have taken it um, yeah no I think coming to Bath as, as an independent lecturer academic I, I, I think was for me, amazing, and that was the, the transformative moment. Conversely, can you describe the time when you failed and how you overcame that failure? Oh, fail all the time. Yes, <laughs> but failure is absolutely a fundamental part of the whole scientific process, but also part of life. You know, I, I think my first failure, I failed. Um, oh, what was used to be called O level, now GCSE English, first time. I had to retake that, so that, that was an interesting experience of failure. Um, I didn't do particularly well at school. It wasn't really until I got into final year at university I, I learned to study and learned to focus and kind of got myself together. Um, so I, I think failure and dealing with failure is, is important. Um, I've had multiple grants rejected, which is always gives a great sense of failure. Uh, and it's really important, I think, to, to be able to deal with that and not get into or deal with the, the temporary depression that that causes. Um, experiments fail, ideas fail. You know, I, I, I've had ideas um, for uh, sensing um, target molecules, for example, which um, it transpired were just fundamentally incorrect, and which is always embarrassing when, when you look back and think, why did I do that? But one always learns from failure, and that, that's the important thing. Uh, I think perhaps in the UK, we're, 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 we're not 
accepting enough of failure. In the US and Silicon Valley, for example, they see failure as a fundamental part of a whole development process and a whole learning process. And a lot of these entrepreneurs um, have been expected to fail two or three, four times, and that's fine. I think in the UK we could perhaps learn a bit from that. What's been the biggest challenge in your research so far? I think the biggest challenge was early on in my academic career, career here at Bath, about four years in, thinking, where exactly do I want to go with my research? I'd, I'd come in as a new lecturer, really continuing the work, I'd, I, the more fundamental work I'd done on biomembranes when I was, um, when I was in Germany. And the problem was, I didn't really have the resource in terms of instrumentation um, and support to do that work as effectively as I had in Germany at the Max Planck Institute. And I was starting to slightly lose interest in in, in the fundamental biophysics question that I'd been working on in Germany. And so I was able to, really luckily able to move to translate into effectively applied applied microbiology, um, thanks to talking to, to colleagues from the department across the road in the uh, 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 microbiology department across the road, um, and being able to ask kind of naive, but I think important questions. And I remember in the bar one night asking my, my, my colleagues, why is it some bacteria are pathogenic, disease-causing, and some not? And I thought it was a very naive and stupid question, but it turned out, I think in retrospect, to be a, a very important question. It's still a question that many of us think about to this day. And indeed, it's more, it, it's, the answers are highly complex, of course. It's not just about virulence factors or, resist, or resist, resistance genes. It's also the fact that bacteria can turn off and turn on virulence factor secretion, virulence genes. And... Yeah, I, I think that that's really fundamental. Also, it's important to say, I, I stopped doing biology when I was 13 years old at school. And so I went from an age of about 13 to about 32, 33, about 20 years, with no biology background. And as I moved into what you might call applied microbiology, I had to learn an awful lot from first principles, essentially teach myself A-level biology from a, standing, uh, from a standstill. But that was great fun and a great challenge. If you could solve one major challenge in your field, what would it be? Aha. Uh-huh. Um, in general terms, if I can develop devices to detect infection in the bladder or in wounds, and these devices can be manufactured, taken up and used commonly in the NHS here in the UK and abroad, and they make a difference to people's lives, then I will feel I have contributed something useful to my field and I can retire hopefully happy. If you could go back and talk to your younger self at the start of your career, what advice would you give them? Work harder at school. (laughs) (laughs) Is there any overlap between your personal and scientific interests? Yes, I mean, being an academic scientist is, is very strange, but the whole idea of having personal life and professional life as separate entities doesn't really happen. I, I feel all the time, or most of the time, I'm thinking about scientific problems, and it doesn't really matter whether I'm at work or at home or on the train. 
it merges together. And that, in a way, is the great thing about this job, that there isn't this, there isn't this rigid divide, there isn't really private life in the normal sense. Um, but also, it, it, it's, um, that can have its own challenges sometimes as well. Um, but certainly, for example, one of the things I really enjoy is, is cycling. So quite often I can take my bike with me when I go to a conference. I had a conference in the Netherlands last year, so I took the ferry with my bike and I rode 100 kilometres up the coast to this, uh, um, to, to, to this uh, drug delivery symposium uh, up in Ecuador Damse. And that was great fun to be able to combine cycle touring with, with going to a scientific meeting. So I was, I was very lucky there. Is there anything or anyone that inspires you to do your job? The cliched answer is to say my chemistry teacher. And I'm going to give a cliched answer because it's actually true. I have a great debt to both my A-level teachers um, at my school um, in South East London. And, yeah, they were tremendous. And I, 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 I think um, we perhaps sometimes forget how important great teachers are at secondary school. Um, they make all the difference and can inspire people to go on and do um, to, to do uh, new things. Where do you see yourself in five years' time? Aha. Uh-huh. I hope still in Bath. I have no plans to move. Um, I hope the current diagnostic technologies we're working on will be a fair bit further forward. I would be really would like to see at least one or two of our prototypes being used actually on patients in clinical trials. So in five years' time, absolutely, I would like to see large-scale clinical trials going on of our infection-detecting systems, be them on the bladder-based or wound-based. Um, and I think we have a reasonable chance of that happening. Would you say that's one of the most exciting things about your job, the clinical potential? Yeah, for me it's, it's absolutely motivational. Um, I, I'm not very good at doing things just for sake of doing things. I, I need to have a, um, a strong motivational push. Um, and being able to team up with clinicians and better understand clinical problems is really fundamental. A few years ago, my, my clinical colleague Amber, who runs the paediatric burns unit um, at Bristol, phoned me and said, you've got to come down. We have a child in high dependency unit who has a terrible burn. Come and see her. And I did. I went down with my, with my PhD student, David, and we saw this child. This is the most, the sickest child I've ever seen in my life. It was profoundly shocking. She was um, on ketamine for, for, for pain, um, surrounded by um, very distressed parents and a huge clinical team. And I think for me that was probably the, the moment when it hit home that this isn't just an academic exercise. This isn't, we're not just doing this for the sake of it. This is a real problem that affects real people. And making, being able to make an advance in this area could, could be a really a worthwhile thing to do. Are there any other side projects you're working on? Um, we have a number of, of... Yes, we have a number of side projects. Um, we have um, a project looking at uh, wound decontamination using a, a plasma uh, jet which is what we call, jokingly, our death ray project, death to bacteria, not to humans, hopefully. Um, this is with a colleague up in Lancaster. And this is, this is at a very early stage. It's more kind of fundamental stage. But it may be a very useful way of being able to decontaminate wounds 
without having to disrupt the healing process by, by basically putting this plasma jet through the wound dressing. We have a new idea at the moment for trying to detect group B streptococcus, which is a major cause of neonatal meningitis, um, a cerebral palsy, or one of the major causes. Um, and the concept here is to be able to have a very simple but fast swab of a woman in early stage labour to detect the presence of, of, of group B strep um, and to, be able to give um, warning to clinicians to change the whole um, birth plan, if you like, the, the, the whole way the baby is born to avoid them becoming infected. This is at a very early stage. We haven't got the basic technology working at the moment, but I think we have an idea how to do it. It's just a case of finding time and some resource to do so. For information about other biomedical career options, check out our map at mrc.ukri.org forward slash interactive framework. If you like what you hear, then please like, share and subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Send us your feedback via Twitter at the underscore MRC or on Facebook where MRC comms. Tune into next month's episode to hear how starting out as a school teacher led Professor Caroline Relton to a career studying how disease is inherited in people and populations. This episode was presented by Isabel Harding, produced by Petra Kiviniemi, also produced and edited by Hasina Sakrani. Thanks for listening.